We're doing something a little different on the Enough podcast today. Our guest is Alison Crow. She's a brilliant transformational coach, but I didn't invite her on as an expert today. I'm always curious about the practices that other thought leaders do for themselves. What modalities are they trying? What are their rituals? And what can we learn from them? Allison is doing the deep, messy work of being in relation with all the parts of herself, especially the ones that nobody claps for, including her angry, rageful, grumpy, insecure, and needy parts. These are the younger parts of ourselves we often try to achieve or perfect or bypass our way out of. And when that doesn't work, because uh, it doesn't, it's so tempting to shove them into the dark closet of our consciousness. No prizes for guessing how that solution works out longer term. Allison shares her real life, practical ways of doing this integration work so you can try it for yourself. I drop us into the conversation asking Allison to share a specific example of one of those parts of herself that she's working with. I hope it'll help you to start capturing your own as you listen. Ready? Let's dive in. When I was in third grade, I went to, I went to a, my parents moved us to a private school because they were going to start busing us to the wrong side of town. That's what white folks did then. And at this school, so I like grew up spiritual or, you know, I grew up kind of like Christian light. I don't know. We weren't super, super religious, but we went to this religious school and in third grade, they showed me the apocalyptic movies left behind third grader. And I'm not talking the Kirk Cameron ones. Apparently there's new ones. These are the, the old kind from the seventies and eighties that were just, they weren't commercialized yet. And at that school, not only was I, you know, it was all based on the, if you hadn't been saved, if you haven't been baptized, you're going to hell. And yet there I was this little girl, like I felt enough and I felt a connection with God and spirit and it didn't make sense to me. And it instilled, I took on fear and dread. And I look back now because I traced it back. It was like, oh, I'm so afraid of being left. My husband, my first husband left on a random Wednesday. My dad used to leave in fights. And it goes all the way back to that third grade message of if you're not good enough, Jesus is literally going to come back and take those who are good enough and leave the rest of you behind, even if you're a little kid. Fascinating, right? I hope this jogs your thinking about some of your own inner parts and gets you jotting some of them down. So next, I ask Allison to tell us about the modality that she's currently using to do the work of integrating all these parts of herself, including that part that's afraid to be left behind. Let's learn more. I'm been practicing for 10 months now as a spiritual practice, uh, an, a modality called internal family systems it can also be therapeutic. It can be an education. It can be self-therapy, but it's based on the idea that we're all multiple. We all say, oh, part of me, this, and a part of me, that, right? And so, and that we also all have a central self, capital S-E-L-F. And I've been saying that like self-led, self-centered for years. 
And then there are, you know, all these parts, some of the parts are actually protectors and they're protecting the little ones inside the little exiles is what they're called. And so, right. There's the little itty bitty painful one that had the trauma of X, Y, Z when she was little. And then all these behaviors that show up very reactive are the, are the actual protectors. So my core being doesn't actually need to protect her. I know it's kind of confusing. Your face is hilarious. Um, <laughs> my core being, all she really needs is my presence, my attention, my love. But there are parts of me that want, they don't ever want her to feel the little one. They don't ever want the little one to feel that pain again. So these protector parts and protector parts are there's, I mean, there's so many, <laughs> but they're like procrastination, trying to be the good girl, the part that performs, like all these places where we bend ourselves instead of be ourselves, those are protector parts and they are parts of us, right? And, and underneath them is this, the stored energy and pain. And sometimes we don't even remember what it is. But how I, how I figured this out, like I've done inner child work and parts work, but I would be having these adult woman business conversations and somebody would say something. And then all of a sudden I just would feel this trembling three-year-old energy inside of me. And it would flood my system. It would literally overwhelm my system. And my head is freaking out going, I know this isn't personal. And so I started pursuing the question, why does this little one inside of me literally take over my system. And now it all makes sense to me. Okay, so we have a central self and all the parts inside, the little exiles, as Allison calls them. I love that example that she shared of how in adult situations, those little exiles can play up and flood our systems. It might be a flippant comment that your boss makes that triggers you. It might be your partner being on their phone at dinner where you really crave connection. Once you start to see how deep-rooted this stuff is, it's easier to understand how repeating a mantra, I am enough, I am enough, doesn't cut the mustard. Let's get back to the episode. It is really deep. It is really systematized. Like not just racial systems, but all the systems, like we have been conditioned to give our inner authority away by everything, by family structures, by schools, by religion, by spirituality. We've also been conditioned to not feel. And this gets to the point of why we can't mantra ourselves away out of it, because the mantra is in the head and it's in the voice. But it's, we discon I notice that really smart women often lead with their heads, their heart centered, but they lead with their heads and they're disembodied. And, and what I mean is we subconsciously and very slyly emotionally disconnect and solve the problem with our head instead of truly opening our bodies to feel. If you're anything like me, you're probably asking yourself, how do we start practicing actually being in our bodies. Well, we can practice Monique DeBose's body scan from episode 15. Another way is to start acknowledging that you are a multiple. 
with a central self and various parts. And you can start paying attention to those parts that maybe you've never acknowledged before. In her journal, Allison checks in regularly with which parts need attention. For her, the process looks like this. Like, hey team, who's here today? And that's if I'm not triggered by something, right? Like who wants and needs attention? And I'm noticing for my system, most of the parts that want and need attention were parts that I bypassed through positivity, through disconnection, through going really fast. You know, there are parts that, that some people call negative emotions, and I don't believe in negative emotions. I believe all emotions are helpful. We can behave negatively out of an emotion, but I'm learning to actually have conversations, an emotional, mental, full body, paying attention to these personified parts in me. And they are giving me so much wisdom. And as I listen to them, instead of all the other people and all the other coaches, those little walls gently I want, I don't want to say they're crumbling down really fast, but it's like a brick comes down and a brick comes down. And that little one outside realizes she doesn't live in 1974 anymore. She lives now. And this is my home. And this is the stability. And this is my job. And this is the way we do emotions. And she's allowed to have feelings and doesn't have to have any reason for them. And I will never leave her. Okay, let's get radically practical. Remember back in episode five when Emma Stroud was talking about her bus of selves? So many of you loved that episode. Here's a little reminder about what the bus of selves is. If you see yourself as just one person, then actually what you're not doing is you're not allowing yourself to see all the complexity of what makes up that one person. And the adult you is the person that you have formed. You know, when you were 12, you wouldn't have known who you were going to be as an adult, but there are parts of you that when you were 12, you made decisions about the world. The way Emma did that is by getting curious about which parts of herself she likes and which parts of herself hmm, might be a little bit more challenging. It's that allowing yourself to really spend a bit of time going, what's a part of you that you really love? And asking that question and allowing yourself to go, actually, the part of me that I really love is the fact that I'm deeply kind to people, or whatever it might be. What's a part of you that kind of slightly winds you up? And that could be, well, actually, I can be really impatient with my husband, my partner, fill in the gap. And as soon as you start asking yourself that question, what parts of me do I like? What parts of me do I not like? Then suddenly before you know it, you've got a whole loads of different of you in your bus. Alison does something similar that you can try too. Here are some of the parts that she's captured in her journal. So listen for Alison's perspective, but you're listening for how to replicate this for yourself. Just start identifying parts. The part that doesn't want to disappoint others. The part that thrives on attention and being the star, the part that needs to be adored, the part of me that wants to be different, the part of me that dreads being misunderstood, the part of me that needs to know intellectually, 
the part of me that crumbles into a fetal position under abuse, backlash, or criticism. The part that fights and cusses and is emotionally violent, right? So I can have the same experience and a part of me crumbles and a part of me is like, fuck you, I'm going to kill you, right? Like I've had to really pay attention to that fuck you part. The part that fears abandonment and rejection. The part that gets real sleepy when she's not tired. The part that overfunctions and carries everybody else's pain. The part that feels weak if I ask for help. The part that is ashamed of dancing. The part that feels safe if I'm special and extraordinary. My spiritual bypass part to avoid feeling intense grief or pain. And I went on for like four pages and I really just paid attention to like anytime I had an experience and I could remember like the first one that ever came up in my business was like a part of me feels so confident and so credible. And another part feels the opposite. So it's really good to start with polarities. Okay, so you've journaled out your various parts of the self. You're getting to know each other. You've got a list of characters that might continue to grow. And if you don't have a journaling practice, I know, I get it. I'm a hesitant journaler myself. I got into the habit doing the morning pages, which is what Mark Silverman suggests in the previous episode. And that can be transformational. It's getting a practice going. So once you start to get a practice going and you've identified some of your characters, then the next step is just starting to journal stream of consciousness with whatever part wants to be heard that day as you sit down with your pen and your book it could be for example the part of you that is terrified of conflict get curious about that those parts of the self it's about extending them understanding and care and a place to be heard and this work isn't just light and fluffy it actually has real rewards Next, Allison is going to share a story of her and her husband in an argument where she, as a result of doing this deep work, instead of going off and licking her wounds by herself, she goes into this grounded place and sets a boundary that she would have never, ever done before. You're going to love this story. husband kind of gritches he's not a words of affirmation person and it's taken me you know been with him 15 years it took me seven years to not learn it to take it personally and one day I forgot to lock one of our dogs needs to be locked in the crate otherwise he'll hurt himself getting out and I forgot to lock it and sure enough we open the door and the dog is loose and we're like oh god things are probably destroyed and he starts gritching at me and something in me came over like the old me wouldn't necessarily cower, but I would have to like lick my own internal wounds because he doesn't have soft, kind words of affirmation and something in me, my whole body was grounded into the fucking earth. And I just put my hand up and said, you may not speak to me that way. And I said, if you, I understand that you're upset. You're right. I totally screwed up. I rushed and didn't lock the dog. And I know you're, you're scared that he's probably going to destroy something and it's going to cost us a billion dollars, but you cannot talk to me that way. And I said, if you talked to me that way, the first week we were dating, I would never have given you a second chance. And I, I'm more angry than I am now, but I was really calm. And I proceeded to go get ready for bed and he came back in 
five minutes later and goes, you're right. I should never talk to you that way. Like 15 years. And I was like, who the fuck was that? <laughs> and I'm seeing the same thing in my client. Like all of a sudden there she is. Self is not just spiritual and sweet and compassionate, but when, when those little parts are healed and they're not like, I wasn't afraid of being left. And so I was able to say you like clear boundary. Alice and I ask everybody to lay a brick of wisdom, whatever mm-hmm. you're present to in this moment that you would like to leave listeners with. It could be a phrase, a quote, whatever's on your heart. What would you share? Everybody says, be you, but we can't be ourselves unless we actually trust ourselves to be ourselves. And how do we trust ourselves? Oh my goodness. We actually have to meet and know and befriend all of ourselves. And so that's what I have to say. Take the time to meet yourself. And the more you meet yourself, you'll trust yourself. And then you'll find be you effortless. However you engage with this podcast, whether you're someone who listens and thinks about it and goes, hmm, that's interesting, and then moves on with your day, or whether you're somebody who really takes it seriously and reads the books and does the journal prompts and uses the tools day to day to day, you are welcome here. Occasionally, I want to create these deeper dive experiences in the pod so you can deepen your practice to get rid of all that rubble that's in the way of you already being good enough. So I hope that there was something for everyone in this conversation today. If you want more Allison in your life, she has an almost daily presence on Instagram and you can find her at Allison underscore crow. And on her website, her and all her juicy offerings are there. And I've done many of those and highly recommend her. You can find her at alisoncrow.com. Next week, we are rounding off this season of the podcast. I will be doing a solo episode to draw themes together. And until then, take care. This is Mandy Leto signing out for Enough, the podcast.